You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. This morning I want us to turn our attention to a story in the Old Testament back in Exodus chapter 14. If you brought your Bibles, bring, you know, open them up. Exodus chapter 14. It's a, a story where the Israelites were in a predicament. Not one that was the result of their unwise decisions. It wasn't even the result of the decisions of other people. They were in a predicament because God led them into it. Before we look at the passage, let's give you the backstory real quick. We're going to cover a few centuries, hopefully in a few minutes. <laughs> we need to go back to the Old Testament character, Joseph. You may remember the story. He's the 11th of 12 sons. The favorite child. So much so that the brothers get together, conspire against him. They sell him into slavery. Joseph ends up in Egypt. He's a slave. He ends up in prison. He interprets a dream. Three dreams he interprets. And he's made the second most powerful man in Egypt. When famine hits the Middle East... Joseph's brothers come to Egypt looking for food. They don't recognize Joseph. It's been 20 years. Joseph's family and father and their herds, they all end up moving to Egypt. And they're given land to settle and call their own. Life was good. It was Egypt, it was in Egypt that the Israelites began to grow in numbers. Exodus 1 tells us that a new king came into power and he didn't know Joseph or what he had done. So, what do new kings like to do? What do new leaders like to do? They want to establish themselves as the leader. And so this king looks across the landscape and says, we've got way too many Israelites running around. We need to do something about this. So he decides that he is going to enslave the Israelites. He kills off all the male infants. 430 years go by. The Israelites are slaves in Egypt. And then the Exodus. Maybe you've seen the movie, the old one, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. The less old one, the prince of Egypt. There's the plagues. And the night of the last one, the firstborn sons of the Egyptians all died. It wasn't until about 5.30 this morning when I put those two things together. The king killed off the infant males, Israelites, and then... God deals with them in a similar situation. So I clearly haven't had time to study that. There's got to be some lesson there. But figure out, if you figure it out, come and let me know. Save me some study. All right? God orders the, that night when the firstborns of the Egyptians die. The Pharaoh finally, he's been digging in his heels. The Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. Leave my kingdom. 
So the Israelites figure, we need to do this quick because he might change his mind. So they just grab stuff. The Bible even says they grabbed Egyptian stuff, which I thought is pretty cool. They take off. They start going. And God leads them, and they meander around for a while because God was actually protecting them so they didn't have to go and fight anybody. So he took them this obscure route. And then they get to a point where God says, okay, now we're going to double back. And we're going to go to this specific place. And God takes them to this place that's really not a good strategic move because three out of the four boundaries are natural boundaries that you can't really get out. There's the water, there's desert, and there's mountains. On three out of four sides, they're hemmed in. They get doubled back, and the Israelites find themselves in a predicament. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've been doing your best to follow God and do what he's asked you to do, and you end up in a predicament? Maybe you can relate to the Israelites. I can. I know there's been lots of times where I've like, yeah, God said do this, so let's do this. And it's like, whoa, I didn't sign up for this part. Exodus 14, verses 10 and 11, let's start there. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? Love that the Bible has sarcasm in it. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Maybe the predicament that you're facing, you're at that point now where the pressure is just too much. You're feeling the stress. Maybe you're in a place where it's still bearable, but you can tell it's just getting more. Maybe it's the result of decisions you've made. Maybe it's the result of decisions that other people have made. Maybe, just maybe, it's the result of you doing what God told you to do. There's some lessons that we can learn before our miracle. I want us to start thinking, instead of asking, or I want us to ask, what is God wanting me to learn? Not, why is this happening? And that's the normal. When something's happened, when stress is happening, when life is out of control, we tend to kind of go with the why question. Why is this happening? Why, why, why? Let's... Try and turn that and ask, what? What is it that God wants me to learn? God needed to teach his people some lessons. 430 years of slavery needed to be shaken up. So he led them into a predicament. Here are four lessons from Exodus 14 that I think we can apply when we're going through those predicaments. First of all, it takes tight places to break a lifetime of habits. 430 years of slavery. Patterns were established. Thinking was established. Modern day studies of the brain, neuroplasticity, synaptic connections. We've learned that over time, trauma can rewire our brain. The good news is that 
over time, we can rewire our brain again. It's not a done deal. We can do that with God's help, of course. It takes effort. The Israelites would have subtly incorporated the Egyptian culture into their own life. They would have incorporated the Egyptian values. Got to remember, this was before they were given the law. This was before they were told what a good Israelite looks like, what a good Israelite does. They would have come with an identity, I am a slave. Like, not just, like, this is what I do for work. I am a slave. They would have had daily routines that involved getting up and going to work for the Egyptians, carrying out orders without question, remaining submissive to avoid retribution, hearing Egyptian music on repeat, understanding that the Egyptian work ethic of climb on the shoulders of the workers that you work beside, use other people. They would have thought and acted and dressed like Egyptians. They would have had an identity of, I am an Israelite. Family tree, they were Israelites. They knew their genealogy. But I wonder how much they would have reflected the Egyptian culture. God knew that to break the years, the centuries of habit and cultural influence, the Israelites were needed, they needed a big miracle. Something that would shake them up, something that would get their attention, something that would etch itself into their memory for years to come. Something that would help them shake off, to start to shake off the identity of slave. So God let them wander around for a while and he leads them into this corner where they felt trapped, but a place where he could begin the process of breaking their mindset and their behaviors that they had learned as slaves. Maybe you didn't grow up in a God-fearing home. Maybe you did. Maybe you've made decisions and lately you're recognizing I've been living my own way. Maybe God is going to lead you into a tight place. Not as a punishment. That tight place is a tool that God will use. Hopefully to get your attention, to help you shake off the past. In my restart class that I, I teach for new believers and those who are returning back to their faith, one of the nights we talk a little bit about Jesus' baptism, when he was baptized by John. And following the baptism, Jesus is led by the Spirit, by the Spirit, to the desert to be tested. So if God is going to lead Jesus into a predicament, into a tight place, I think he'll do that with us too. And Jesus only really had that one time. We are slower learners. I am a slower learner. I'll make it, I shouldn't point my fingers at you. <laughs> Tight spaces can help us break habits. Number two, when we're trapped, the only place to look is up. Imagine the Israelites. 
They're trusting Moses to lead them into safety. He's going to make good decisions. Remember, he was trained by the Egyptians. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's home. He was trained in military strategy. He knew how to lead. And about two million Israelites are wandering around. They double back to an area where four of the, or three out of four of the options are natural boundaries. Moses and God was leading them into a dead end. Imagine you're there. First of all, you hear the, the distant rumble. You're not really sure what's happening. Maybe a little earthquake or something. It grows into thunder. Oh, well, maybe it's a storm that's coming. Then you turn and you see this cloud of dust kicked up by Pharaoh's army. They were trapped. They were filled with fear. And for the first time ever, we see the Israelites collectively crying out to God. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and, they, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. We do that, right? When we're faced with an overwhelming situation, we call out for help and we say, Jesus, take the wheel. This is also a time that the Israelites quickly turned and blamed someone. Verses 11 and 12, they turned on Moses. They said, we told you so. We should have stayed in Egypt. They cried out to God for a minute. And then they started blaming. Nobody here would do that, right? And Moses responds like a loving leader. With four pieces of clear direction. Verses 13 and 14. Moses said to the people, one, fear not. Two, stand firm. Three, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to, number four, be silent. The message says, shut up. <laughs> I love that. Right? What's your normal response under pressure? How do you normally respond when all of a sudden it's there? The common ones, we get overcome by fear and we freeze. Maybe after that happens and passes, we, we try and run. We, we have that flight response. And then we start to fight. We start lashing out at people around us. And number four, maybe through all of those, we start talking. We start telling everybody how bad things are. We start telling everybody it's unfair about this and unfair about that and they don't deserve and I want justice and you're looking for allies. God's answer when we're in a predicament, when we're under stress, before we experience the miracle, is the opposite of our human nature. Fear not. Stand firm. Watch God 
and be silent. That leads us to our third point, third lesson that we can learn. If the Lord is to get the glory, he must do the fighting. The Israelites lived in an environment where they were oppressed and they were limited. They were marginalized by the Egyptians. They learned not to stand up because it wouldn't go well. Not too long before this story, the Egyptians decided, Pharaoh was so upset with the Egyptians that he said, you know what? We're going to get you to make more bricks than you've been making and we're not going to provide the straw for you. Maybe your workplace has done that. They've downsized your team, increased your workload, and cut off resources. Ever happened to anybody else? Yeah, I see a couple nods, that's good. Well, not good, but you know. When we're in that predicament, there's times that, yeah, we do need to step up. There's times where we do need to address the problem. We're not talking about that time where we can still do something. The normal tendency when we're under tension is that we want to get away. Maybe we want to go and pray. Prayer is good, don't get me wrong. The Israelites called out to God. But we forget that, yeah, decisions have to be made. Action still needs to happen. We need to do what we can do, no question about it. This isn't a situation, though, where the Israelites had exhausted their resources. They hadn't done what they could do. They've obeyed God, they've followed him as he led them. And now they're in an impossible predicament. Trapped with no way out. When we're in those times, that's where we need to just step back and we need to wait. One of the things that I've been noticing about miracles in the Bible, so often the miracle isn't really about the person that experiences the miracle. The miracle is a tool that God's using to teach other people. You've probably heard that saying, God helps those who help themselves. I sure hope you know that's not in the Bible. I know I, one author that I was reading just said, it's a flat out lie. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. In fact, it teaches the exact opposite. It teaches us that God helps the helpless. I mean, if we're helping ourselves, we don't need God, right? When we reach the end of our rope, when we're clinging on with the last of our fingertips, when we're in that impossible situation and everything in us is just saying, just hang on for a little bit longer. God's going to come through. God's going to come through. Hang on. God says, let go and trust me. Let me fight for you. And then the final lesson Red seas open and close at the Lord's command, and not until. That's the part I struggle with. I'm good with the, yeah, God, you know, do it. I want my timing, though. The timing of the miracle is completely up to God. We need to pray. But when God says it's go time, 
we need to move. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Did you catch that? Even God is saying, prayer time's over, let's move. Let's not hide behind, I'm praying. If God has said, do something, you better do it. So two million people start mobilizing, and that takes a little bit of time. The Israelites start moving, and so does God. 19 and 20, verses 19 and 20. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of, the, of Israel's army. I love that, that phrase, right? Israel's army. 430 years as slaves. You, the Egyptians wouldn't have taught them how to fight, right? We know that part, right? Because why would you do that? But the eyes here of Israel's army. The angel of God withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. This was the only time that the cloud of fire wasn't out front. It's the only time where it moved to the back, provided protection. There was a barrier for protection, but I think there was more to it than that. You see, the cloud kept the Egyptians in darkness. The fire kept the Israelites in the light, but it also prevented the, Egypt, or the Israelites from seeing the Egyptians. It also helped the Israelites not see the problem. You see, at this point, God knew the problem would only serve as a distraction. So Moses did as he was supposed to do. Verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. Now, movies miss the point. Okay? Like any movie that's based on a book, artistic license messes things up. Okay? We watched Moses put the staff in the water. Not what the Bible said to do. Throw that one out there. But it also happened pretty fast. Here it says the wind blew all night. Part of the reason was to dry out the ground so that the Israelites didn't have to struggle through wet, soggy soil. No. God cared so much about getting them out of this predicament well that he dried the ground so that they wouldn't have to struggle. It took all night. The Bible says all that night. Not only did God provide the way out of the predicament, he took care of the Israelites right to the other side. And then Moses stretched out his hand again, and the seas collapsed, killing the entire Egyptian army. The entire army. Exodus 
14.31, the last verse of the chapter. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. The great lesson of this miracle, God told the Israelites, showed the Israelites, you can trust me. While you're waiting for your miracle, learn the lessons that God's trying to teach. Never waste a good predicament. Learn the lessons. Some translations, instead of the word trust, it says faith. The Israelites put faith in the Lord. That's a big deal. 430 years as slaves, they didn't probably have a whole lot of faith. When we track with the Israelites over the decades that follow, because the story doesn't end here, right? This is a catalytic moment. It's something that they remembered, but it wasn't a fix-all. It was the beginning of change. It was beginning to set them free of the mindset and identity as a slave. They stumbled. They blew it. There was things they did that they just missed the boat on. But one thing they did do, they kept moving forward. In our life change, in our process of becoming like Christ, we're going to blow it, we're going to stumble, but we need to keep moving forward. And God's going to bring us through times of predicaments so that we can look back and say, you know what, God was faithful here. I'm going to keep moving forward because I know he's going to be faithful now. Instead of asking the question, why is this happening? Instead of asking the question, when will this end? Let's ask the question, what can I learn? What can I learn? So we can trust God in our process. Let's pray. Father, thank you. God, this story is a huge story, huge miracle. So much so, it's actually hard to believe. But God, we thank you that when we look back, there's actually some proof that this did actually happen. God, we thank you that you will do some amazing things in our predicaments. You will provide ways out when we see there is no way. God, you're, you're going to help us. You're going to give us strength. But God, in that time, from now until the miracle, God, I pray that you'll help us to grow in our faith so that we can trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. 